Welcome to the Tax Sell Podcast, where tax sell investing is made easy. My name is Casey Dimon. I'm a tax sell veteran. I am the leading tax sell expert, author of the Tax Sell Playbook. I'm the founder of the Tax Sell Academy, and I am your host right here on the Tax Sell Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me on today's podcast episode. This is a completely free podcast and is brought to you through and because of the Tax Sell Academy. If you are looking to learn more about investing in tax defaulted real estate, just head on over to TaxSellAcademy.com again. That is TaxSellAcademy.com. Today I want to discuss often overlooked tax sell moneymakers. So many people get into the tax sell business or even the real estate investment business in general with preconceived notions about what real estate investing is. And we're often like programmed to want to invest to what we know. A lot of this is subconsciously formed over the years simply out of being familiar with certain types of properties and maybe even hearing about what we, in quote, should invest in. You know, the typical single family home. The one that's in a decent working class neighborhood, in fair to good condition, that's of average size, average amenities, that we can get slightly below market, sell at market price, and then move on. And obviously, the same can be said about the area that we invest in. Most people want to invest in what is close to them simply because that is what they are familiar with. So I am not one to discourage you from investing in whatever you want to invest in. If you're able to find that typical single-family residence that you're able to buy under market value, then by all means, go for it if that's what you want to do. In fact, if you can find that, I actually do recommend it. Those are the simple deals most of the time that don't require too much effort. But what happens more often than not is that this is what everybody focuses on. So you have substantial demand for that specific property type. In some areas, however, the tax sell list simply do not have that many single-family homes that fit that description. In the county where I live, for example, it might be one out of every 30 or 40 properties sold. Now, this isn't an economics class, but I can tell you, if you have high demand and low supply, you're going to have an increase in price. Yes, even at an auction. If that is not the case in your area, if you have lots and lots of single-family homes with no demand, that is fantastic. But that entire situation where you typically don't have that many desirable single-family homes at great price points is what leads me to today's podcast episode. My hope is that you will see the three examples that we're about to discuss, and you'll begin to think outside of the simple single-family box. Sure, that's the easiest in many cases, and for some people who are not comfortable with anything but single-family homes, then stick to whatever you're comfortable with. But for those looking to invest, those who have been waiting patiently without success, here are three often overlooked money makers in the tax sale business. The first one is something that I've discussed many times before, vacant lots but not just any vacant lots. Sure, if you can find the vacant lots that are in a developing neighborhood with construction on every corner that are gonna be easy to flip, by all means, go for it, take advantage of that. But what I'm talking about are the vacant lots that just aren't all that valuable, for whatever reason. It could be mobile home lots, 
campsites or recreation lots, lots that are just overly abundant in certain areas, whatever it is. I'm talking about the lots that have a $1,000 to say three or $4,000 price tag at market value. And sure, these don't exist in every single market. I get it. But they certainly do exist and they're very plentiful in many different areas. For many, many years, that is what I did. I would focus the bulk of my energy on these cheap, vacant lots. Now, I've been to numerous areas where I was the only person buying properties in certain subdivisions. Obviously, at first, that's a little bit concerning. But over time, I became more and more confident in my ability to quickly resell those properties. I've sold to everybody from very seasoned investors to new investors and even owner users. Now, much of my ability to resell those lots so easily revolves around the price point of the property. At just a few thousand dollars, you really open up your buyer pool tremendously. Simply put, for many people, investing in that vacant parcel is not going to be a huge risk. It's not going to take up a large percentage of their net worth. Now, for some, it's even an impulse purchase. Wow, cheap lot. I'm going to go out and buy it just because it's cheap. And the good thing about most of these cheap vacant lots is also that the holding costs are going to be very, very low. So not only does the buyer not have a whole lot of capital invested in those lots, but their holding costs, if they decide to hold on to it long term, are minimal. Some of these tax bills are crazy cheap, well under $100 per year. I've seen plenty that are less than $20 a year, yet somehow they still ended up on the tax sale list. Now, the general process is that I will identify an area with properties that I find suitable, properties that you can legally and physically access, properties that are cheap and also have some sort of desirability, hopefully beyond just the cheap price. Now, while resale price is the usual motivation for my buyers, I always like to have the lots that are going to be close to some sort of recreation, maybe like in the middle of the national forest or something that is close to perhaps a city. Maybe it's just 10 or 15 minutes away from a cute, charming little city or something along those lines. And then what I'll do is I will send them out to my buyers list, people that have indicated in the past they're interested in similar properties. And my lots will sell very, very quickly. Now, if you don't have a buyer's list, that's okay because these are the perfect types of properties to help you create one. You can get in cheap. You can advertise like crazy on every single free website that you can find. Gain attention. Start building your buyer's list for these cheap lots and then just do it all over again, leveraging each piece of property into many potential buyers. Eventually, of course, you can work your way up to bigger properties if you don't want to deal with cheap lots forever, but this is a fantastic way to start. Another one that's often overlooked in some areas are mobile homes. Now, obviously, there are a number of classifications of mobile homes. I've seen mobiles sell for hundreds of thousands of dollars before, and I'm not talking about that stuff since obviously they're desirable and they're going to garner lots of attention. But what I'm talking about are these smaller simpler, cheaper mobile homes. Just like cheap land, there's a market in most areas for cheap homes. A single wide mobile home that's livable will sell very easily in most areas. Now, 
you might need to get a little bit creative with your financing options and you might have to think outside the box when you go to sell that property. But you will certainly be able to sell it one way or another. Now, with that said, there are often two issues with mobile homes that some people will think of. The first is that the mobile will be removed prior to the auction. And I have seen this happen many times. There are certainly ways that will clue you in on the removal that is about to happen. But this really shouldn't be that big of a concern if you approach it correctly when you buy it. The second concern are the mobile homes in poor condition, right? You obviously wanna be very, very careful. You don't wanna get yourself into a code violation and local government fine situation, so don't buy overly dilapidated mobile homes, just like you shouldn't buy overly dilapidated site-built homes. But you can deal with either the mobile home being removed or an older condition mobile home in the same way. Focus and buy that property as if you were buying it as a vacant piece of property. Now, if there's a septic or a well, that's even better, but don't give it value until after you have purchased it. You can sell the properties as they sit and as is condition, or you might even be able to sell that mobile home as a haul-away mobile home, depending on its condition. Mobile homes get overlooked by so many people, especially older mobile homes, so just make sure that you don't automatically pass them up. Now, the last one that's often overlooked are the odd parcels, for lack of a better term. And this is more of an advanced type tactic, and it's probably not something that you should go into day number one, but I did want to include this on today's episode just to help you start thinking outside of the box. I've seen quite a few examples of this over the years, and I've even been involved in a few myself. Essentially, you're taking the properties that won't get much attention because they're odd, and then you put some form of marketing plan into place, or you develop some specific strategy. These specifics obviously can vary widely. So let me provide a few examples of what I've seen take place over the years. One time I saw four condominium units get sold in a four unit building that did not even exist. It was an established complex and it was actually very nice. The developer, however, died before building this last building, this four unit building. His estate did not pay the taxes and they lost those condominium units which had already been split up into four different parcels. Now buying condo units in a building that does not exist is usually a huge waste of time. I've got plenty of videos on that. Unless one person buys all four units. And that's exactly what happened. This investor bought every single unit for nearly nothing with the plan to build the condos like they were originally planned by the developer. So he essentially got that land for four units for virtually nothing because it was useless if you only purchased one, two, or three of those units. But because he purchased all four of those condo units, that land became very valuable to him. Another example involves two unbuildable 50-foot lots. In many cities, there is a certain width that you have to have on your property in order to build a house. In that particular city, 50 feet was not wide enough to build a house. But it just so happened that there were two 50-foot lots owned by separate parties that adjoined each other. The investor at the tax sale auction, prior to that auction, previously in that month, had purchased one of those lots from a private party. He's bought it for virtually nothing because, again, it was not buildable. 
And then he went to the auction and he bought the second 50-foot lot, which had not had the taxes paid in a number of years. And I think he had got it for like $50 or something very, very nominal. He combined those lots together and now he has a 100-foot lot that is buildable and much, much more valuable. I've seen plenty of folks buy unbuildable 20 or 30 foot wide lots that are successfully sold by marketing them to RV owners, outdoor camping stores, camping websites, and the like. I've seen people buy marina slips that get sold very, very profitably. And here's a very interesting one. I once saw a gentleman purchase a water retention pond in a private community just so he could get access to that community's amenities. So he basically bought this water retention area just because owning a piece of property in that community, any type of piece of property, once he owned it, he would have access to their community amenities, which included a boat ramp on an otherwise private lake. Now, resale value probably wouldn't have been there for that situation, but it was very useful for that avid fisherman. So what I really want you to get from this episode is that there are an infinite number of ways that you can profit from this business. And they don't need to be as complex as some of these examples that I just gave you. I'm all for doing what is easy and what works, but there are certainly times where we tend to focus on the wrong approach when there are many other approaches just as easy once we're able to think of them, once we determine that we need to think outside the box just a little bit. You can easily create simple, sustainable strategies outside of that basic single family home. Keep it simple, but think outside of the box when necessary. Then take that strategy, take that niche, and work it for all it is worth while continuing to better educate yourself, to gain more experience so you can develop other strategies in your tax sell business. I truly hope that today's episode has helped you out. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen, and I'd be so very grateful if you please take just a couple of seconds out of your day to leave a positive review for us on whatever podcasting platform you're listening to us on today. And if we can be of any additional help, there are a bunch of links down below, including one to our primary website at taxcellacademy.com. Thanks again for listening. Take care and make it a successful day. See you next time right here on the Tax Cell Podcast. Bye-bye.